0: today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan.
1: Guys talk about, okay, what's your vision for your family? And I think that's good if it means this. If it means how are you going to apply Jesus' vision for Christian life to your family, what you're not allowed to do is come up with your unique, never-before-heard-of vision for your family you have a vision for your family. You don't come up with it, you receive it and you apply it, okay? And you're to follow Jesus as he leads you. As you allow yourself to be led by Jesus well, that's directly proportional to how well you're gonna lead your family. If you're not being led well by Jesus, you're not gonna lead your family well.
0: Hope in God, oh my soul. Today's teaching, Pastor Ricky will be focusing on exhorting the men to love their lives and to lay down their life for them, just as Jesus laid down his life for the church. As a husband and father, you're called to lead your family in the way of godliness. The only way you can truly lead your family in the ways of the Lord is if you're first living for God in your own personal life. Once you purpose to live for God and have a deeper, intimate relationship with him, your family will naturally follow. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with his continuing study entitled, A Countercultural Marriage.
1: Husbands, this is what we're called to do, but we're called also to apply this hope-filled leadership with love, the same kind of love that Jesus showed for his church. Listen, this is not barking orders at your family, right? Uh, This isn't like the Von Trapp family where you blow the whistle and everyone lines up and you're like, all right, here's the marching orders for this week. Little Jimmy, here's yours. Wife, here's yours. All right, let's go. And like, you just, yeah, you know, that is not, that's not what, what servant leadership is supposed to look like. We're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. One of, one of the most striking things I think my, my dad did growing up um, was he talked to me about marriage. He talked about um, what the Bible's view of marriage was. We, he prayed for my future spouse, even when I was a kid. But the most meaningful thing, one of the most meaningful things he did to shape my view of marriage was this. Every day when he got home from work, the first thing he did was kiss my mom. Even when they were fighting. (laughs) Right, you pick up on this as a kid, right? You know that like the last phone call like an hour ago between your parents like wasn't like super good? And you could tell like, you know, your mom, like here's the door open and she's like trying to be like, okay, okay. And my dad comes in and he's going like, okay, you know. But without fail, at least that I could remember, um, he came in and he kissed my mom. And he, sh- he, he tried, he exerted effort to love my mom. And that, that meant something to me. He, he almost without fail took my mom on a date every week or two from when I was a kid, right? You don't have to do date night, but that's just how they did it. And, and that, friends, I, I think that is what hope-filled leadership looks like applied okay? It's not like, wife, I read this in the Bible, come on! It's, it's tender. It's affectionate. It's when your wife is struggling, you pause your schedule to care for her. And, and I think you have to understand this. A- any talk about wives submitting or following or being subject or whatever terms the Bible uses has to be understood in the context of strong Christ-like servant leadership. Husbands are called to faith, to hope-filled leadership applied with love, and and wives and families flourish when they're being led toward Jesus' vision and they're loved well. And look, let me just, one more clarification. This is not you coming up. This is good in some ways because I hear a lot of times guys talk about, okay, what's your vision for your family? And I think that's good if it means this. If it means how are you gonna apply Jesus' vision for Christian life to your family? What you're not allowed to do is come up with your unique, never-before-heard-of vision for your family, You have a vision for your family. You don't come up with it, you receive it and you apply it. Okay? And you're gonna follow Jesus as he leads you. As you allow yourself to be led by Jesus well, that's directly proportional to how well you're gonna lead your family. If you're not being led well by Jesus, you're not gonna lead your family well. Hope-filled leadership applied. With love in everyday life. Now, real briefly, I just want to make a comment here about Abraham since Abraham was brought up. Abraham is kind of a strange example for us to talk about marriage. Abraham failed miserably multiple times in his marriage. Um, He was the guy, if you're familiar with him, that more than once, which is crazy to me, thought someone was going to kill him, like a king. So, because he figured this king checked out my wife, notice that she's pretty attractive, he's going to kill me and marry her. So he goes, this is a brilliant plan, terrible plan. Why don't you just like say that you're my sister and then that way he can marry you and not kill me? It's like a fail. That's a major fail. Not good. Um, He trades his own wife for safety. Guys, I want you to have hope here. You're going to fail. Uh, We do fail, We may not trade our wife in the same way for our safety, but friends, we trade, you can trade your wife for your career, you can trade your wife for your comfort, you can trade your wife for pornography, you can trade your wife for any number of things. You will fail, but what matters in that moment is how you lead yourself out of it and lead your family out of it. Um, I've watched guys get paralyzed by failure in their home. That once a pattern is set, it's almost like they can't dislodge it because they're so defeated. They go into marriage thinking, I'm going to be a great husband. I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And they start failing. And what happens then is that mountain of failure keeps them buried. And every once in a while, they get enough kind of gumption and go like, oh, I'm gonna try to throw it off. And they make a run at it for like a, a month, two months, three months, six months. And then when they begin to fail again, it just cuts their legs out from under. Brothers and sisters, we will all fail. Husbands, you will fail. But what matters in that moment is that hope-filled leadership means leading yourself to repentance. Your marriage isn't without hope. It will be if you give up, but it will not be if you lead yourself to repentance. You may need to lead your family to repentance, but don't give up. Because there's one thing that Abraham did really well, okay? Despite that, there was one thing he succeeded in where it really counted, and that's in Hebrews 11. The writer of Hebrews highlights this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Listen, this is the one thing Abraham did Really, really well. He believed God enough. He set his hope in God enough to risk everything and follow the Lord. He failed, he messed up, but he did one thing pretty consistently. Week after week and year after year, he kept leading his family forward to where God was calling them. Now listen, we don't want to repeat Abraham's mistakes, but we can certainly learn from this part of Abraham's life. Let's lead our families with a hope, with such a certain hope that when God calls us to go out to a place that we don't even know where we're going, we Follow. Looking forward, I love this phrase, to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. That's what hope filled leadership in the everyday stuff of life looks like. Now, let's move the second section to the wives. And this is what I believe 1 Peter 2, looking at the book, would sum up the call to the wives would be. It's this wives are called to hope filled following with respect in everyday life. Now, this is not everything the Bible says about wives. I'm trying to be faithful kind of to this part of scripture. This following of Jesus should be full of hope. You should be setting your hope fully on Jesus and on the hope of eternity. You should be setting your hope on Jesus, as Peter is calling you, not on the stuff of this world, not on the fact that this year you'll finally get in shape and look better, not on this year you're finally gonna look better than your sister-in-law at Christmas or whatever. Like, you're meant, you're intended, you're called to hope-filled following of Jesus. You should have the same deep passion for the mission of God that your husband is called to. You should have a hope that results in you living a holy life, that results in you making disciples, that results in you wanting to build the church and proclaim the name of Jesus in your neighborhood, in your family, and around the world. But that hope-filled following of Jesus leads you to bring strength your husband as you support and uphold your husband. Look, in, in order to get to that place, you need to think, I'm following Jesus. And Jesus has asked as part of my following him to help support and uphold and follow my husband. And again, last week I'm talking about this This is qualified, this doesn't mean situations of abuse, this doesn't mean just anything, it doesn't mean following him into sin, I'm not talking about any of that. Um, but it means when he is trying to lead your family to the vision laid out in First Peter to make disciples, to build the church, to proclaim the gospel... That you come alongside and rather than undercut it, rather than demean it, rather than make fun of him, rather than saying he can't do it, rather than nagging him, you say, what can I do to help our family get there? Hope filled support, and following of your husband when he needs it the most. Um, And again, the the example here is Sarah, which is is a strange example because she failed at times as well. She didn't believe God's promise that she would have a child. She went along with Abraham's foolish plans. She sometimes traded her husband for her safety or her success. And you were going to fail too. There's going to be times you demean your husband, you undercut him. There'll be times that he's crying out for help, but you don't help. But in those moments, following Jesus means following him to repentance. Not believing that the whole thing is over, but instead saying, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you, even when I don't feel like I'm following, like I wanna follow my husband. But there is one thing that Sarah did really, really well. Uh, Imagine this. Imagine one day your husband gets home from work and says this, I've heard from the Lord. We're supposed to leave here, this city, and we're supposed to go to Sub-Saharan Africa. There we will build a school and a church and die on the mission field. And you're thinking, "Um, my family lives here. Um, Your children, who are our children, go to school here with all of their friends. Um, I found the one person in America that gives me a decent haircut here, and you think that we are going to go to sub-Saharan Africa, where we'll spend two years learning the language, so we can spend 15 years investing in a bunch of people, and no one in America will ever know. They don't even have internet, so I can't put it on Instagram or Facebook, so people like know that I'm doing this. But Sarah said, okay. She kept choosing week after week and year after year in the desert to follow God and follow her husband. Remember, this is not just about one big moment where you'll have to submit to some big decision your husband makes. I talked to a husband and wife one time that I respected a lot, and I asked the husband, okay, how many times were you and your wife really at an impasse where you your wife disagreed and you tried to reason with her and you kind of went back and forth and then you kind of just had to make a decision and your wife said, okay, listen, I, I'm just going gonna, gonna, to, I'm not seeing it, but I'll, I'll go with you if you want to go there. or I'll follow you on this if you want to go there. This guy had been married like 30 years and he said, you know what? I think maybe twice. Maybe twice. I think the first one was like circumstantially decided everything, maybe once then, Okay. This isn't like every week, you're just like, okay, husband, what do you want me to do? This is you guys working together, following Jesus together, but you seeking to support him, uphold him, help him as he is the spiritual leader of your family, leading you guys forward to what Jesus has for you. And briefly, I wanna address singles here. Singles, this is what I would summarize your call today as. Singles are called to a hope-filled pursuit of God. Now, I wish we could go there, but 1 Corinthians 7 interrupts our conversation, and Paul would butt into this and say, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Some are not called to marriage. And a big summary of 1 Corinthians 7, which you should read for yourself. We don't have time to get into all of it. Big summary of that is get married if it helps you serve God better. Do not get married if it does not. Period. Now, The ultimate end of marriage then is not about you, but is it about God? It's not about finding your one person who's gonna give you warm fuzzies for the rest of your life because they're gonna get old and wrinkly. Um, The point is, can you serve God better married? Can you serve God married to that person better? Um, Singleness is not inherently a bad thing, especially in the church. Sometimes we get so obsessed with like helping married couples and kind of holding out marriage and yay. Like brothers and sisters, if you're single, The Lord does not love you any less than the married couples in this room. We love you. We respect you for following Jesus. We know it's hard. And faithfulness in your season of life looks like pursuing the Lord. And so I'm gonna speak real briefly because statistically, a lot of you are gonna end up married at some point. I wanna give two pieces of encouragement. First is this, getting ready for marriage looks like a faith-filled pursuit of Jesus. You wanna know how to get ready for marriage? Okay, guys, listen, you can't lead anyone unless you lead yourself first. Okay, so sometimes I've had guys over the years say, man, I really wanna get ready for marriage. Is there something like in the church I can lead? And my response is yes, it's yourself. It's reprioritizing your time away from video games into something constructive, okay? That's a great way to get ready for marriage. Well, I wanna lead like a service team. Let's do the video game thing first, then the service team. Girls, you are called to follow Jesus, and as you learn to follow Jesus well, that's gonna set you up for success in your marriage. So think about how how, how it's going. How are you doing with the mission Jesus has given you to be a disciple and to make disciples? Are you seeking out wisdom from older men or older women who have been a little bit ahead of you that you can learn from? How is your time management going? Do you waste your time or use it well? How is your self-control going? Do you binge on movies and video games and YouTube videos or are you disciplined? How's your money management going? Do you spend more than you have? All these are super practical ways to follow Jesus. And that's gonna set you up for success in your marriage. And second, finding the right person to marry starts with finding someone on a faith-filled pursuit of Jesus. Now listen, if you're a Christian and somebody asks you, oh, what are you looking for in a future spouse? You know you have to put, oh, uh, you know, obviously first, um, you know, they should be like a strong Christian. Um, But I think, listen, I said that to people. That was like the perfunctory deal. Because under that, I had the real stuff. So think about this. Do the people that you've crushed on or pined after or dated actually reflect that that is the most important thing to you. See, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, marrying is secondary to serving Jesus. And so if marrying that person, dating that person, spending time with that person won't help you serve Jesus, do not do it. But she's sort of a Christian is the first sentence the many conversations I've had that all end badly in general. There's exceptions, but in general, I want to plead with you guys a little bit. I've seen so many Christian men and women get sidelined by pursuing relationships that don't really pass this test. And what happens is rather than going from the starting point, is this person gonna help me follow Jesus? And going from there, you start with, I really like them. So how can I get that into the category of like being okay that they sort of like Jesus? And so you have all kinds of stuff. Well, you know, the thing is that they are not really totally following Jesus, but it seems like when I talk about the Bible, they're really interested a lot more in it. And so I just feel led to disciple them. Um, and, And suddenly people who have no heart for discipleship have a great heart for discipleship. They're just very concerned about this attractive person that happens to be uh, in their circle of life and they just need to spend some time over coffees and things like that. Uh, same thing happens with, with folks that, that aren't married, I mean, that, that, that are not Christians. Um, it, it's, it's so common. I wish, guys, when I did college ministry, especially um, in Maryland, there were so many conversations I had with people who were like, well, I just want to help them, you know, meet the Lord. And suddenly people who were not evangelistic at all have a great heart for evangelism as long as the other person is extremely attractive. And guys, let's just be honest with ourselves a little bit. We, we feel that tug. We don't like being alone. It's not fun being alone in a culture that is pushing you constantly and telling you that you're not valuable unless you have a date on Friday. But Paul would go, listen, single, it's hard. But we're here to serve Jesus. And so if dating that person, if marrying that person, if being with that person is going to help you love Jesus well, then do it. If not, then don't. Finding the right person to marry starts with finding somebody on a faith-filled pursuit of Jesus. Now, I want to end in a really particular place here. And it would be easy to end and go, okay, listen, here's what, here's what we got to do, guys. We all have to like suck it up and try harder. So guys, suck it up. Come on. Like, and guys sometimes will do this and they will get in front of the mirror and be like, all right, this is the year. I'm gonna work on my marriage, right? Girls, are like, I'm gonna stop undercutting my husband and go." they go all like girl power and are like, yes, I'm just gonna do this. And the problem is this, we fail. And then when we fail, we get paralyzed by guilt. And when we get paralyzed by guilt, we stop trying. Here are two truths that you have to hear today at the end. The first is this, when you fail in small moments, Jesus obeyed for you in small moments. We think of Jesus' work on the cross as this big, epic moment. And it's true, it was. He was on the cross. He bore the wrath of God. He covered our sins. But Jesus took our place on the cross so that if we believe in him, our sins will be wiped away. But how did he do that? 1 Peter 3.18 says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Jesus only went to the cross and paid for our sins, he could only do that because he was righteous, And that means he never sinned. And what led up to that big moment on the cross was all the small moments of Jesus' life where he didn't choose sin. He lived moment after moment sinless for us. And in the moments that we have failed in, he did not fail. And so if you are a Christian and you're tempted to be paralyzed by guilt and condemnation, hear this. What God sees when he looks down on you today is not a litany of failure years, but a lifetime of righteousness. Listen, you're going to blow it in small moments. And when you do, you're going to be tempted to give up. But this is what you need to remember. Jesus didn't blow it. When you get sinfully angry and you're defeated and you want to give up, you can say this, Jesus didn't blow it. And his record is mine before God, so I don't have to live in condemnation. And then remember a second thing. Jesus gives power to obey. In small moments, Jesus didn't just die for you, He was raised for you so that you could have resurrection power from the Spirit as a Christian. If you've believed in Christ, He sent His Spirit into your heart so that you can choose to obey.
0: something that many people have little of, and yet we clamor for the latest this or that, believing that our longing for hope will be fulfilled. Pastor Ricky will be teaching through the book of 1 Peter here on Better News Radio. We'll learn that hope is something that is beyond this world, and that our lives will become holy once we hope in the eternal. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at BetterNewsRadio.com. That's BetterNewsRadio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And please, make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.